For toting God's word in Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ. So start off saying that it is it's wonderful to be able to talk to people about God. This is another example why we should always be prepared. We should study God's word. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. Chapter King, chapter five. You know when we, when we're children, and uh, we're read and we we read and we study the children books. Now all of them start off different different ways and everything, but they seem to all end up with, and they live happily ever after. So that gets us prepared to grow up in life. We got this expectation that no matter how life starts out, it's going to end up happily ever after. Because like it or not, believe it or not, we all have certain expectations about life. All of us grow up with some kind of perspective about the way that our lives will go. We also all have a, a set expectation about God. Now does that mean that our expectations are going to turn out the way that we expected them to. How many drug addicts you think grow up as a child saying, I can't wait to grow up and be a drug addict? Or the parents say, I can't wait for my child to grow up and be addicted to alcohol. It's all under the way that we handle lives. It's, it's what we turn out to be. And that's the same thing about God's Word. It's all in the way we handle God's Word. Now, if we just read God's Word as entertainment, we're going to get entertained because there's some interesting stories. If you love love stories, if you like battles, it's all in God's Word. But we are to read it as a manual, a roadmap for our lives. We need to apply it to our lives. But as far as having an expectation, we're not alone. Having an expectation is nothing new. The fifth chapter of 2 Kings is all about expectations and what different people expect God to do. If you would, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. Read the first 17 verses. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. But, there's that word but, he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he will recover him of the leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus saith this maid, that this is the land... That is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go and I will send a letter unto the king of, of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter 
that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? That this man doeth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elijah, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Verse 9 says, So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elijah. And Elijah sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh will come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was rough, and went away and said, Behold, I thought, he will surely come out to me and stand and call him in the name of the Lord his God. Strike his hand over the place and recover the leopard. Or not, Abadana and Pafar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And his servant came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then he said to thee, wash and be clean. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God. He and all his company came and stood before him and said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. But he said, As the Lord liveth, before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Verse 17, I'm going to go ahead and say it. And Naaman said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules burden of earth? For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offerings nor sacrifices unto other gods, but unto the Lord. <clears throat> We're seeing here that we are introduced to a commander of the Syrian army whose name was Naaman. Hopefully it's a story that we all heard when we were children. Naaman was a great man, a valiant warrior. But what I want you to see, the reason why he was highly regarded. Verse 1 tells us that the Lord had given him victory over Israel. That God is against Israel at this point in Israel's history because of their rebellion. So the Lord is blessing the Syrian commander who has been attacked and been fighting against Israel. God's not blessing Israel, but blessing Syria at this time. God's not giving Israel victory, but he's giving Syria the victory at this time. Now Naaman is a perfect military hero for Syria, except he has a problem. Naaman's problem is he's a leprosy. Verse 2 goes on to describe what the Syrians are doing. As they attack Israel, they are capturing various people. Now one of these, on one of these raids, they carry off a young girl from Israel who was then put into service to work for Naaman's wife. But she has a key piece of information. She tells Naaman's wife that if Naaman could be with the prophet in Samaria, he could be cured. The servant girl is referring to Elijah. Not only does this young girl know about what Elijah did, but she tells this Gentile, <clears throat> this Syrian, this invader of the land, this capture of about the prophet 
<clears throat> who can heal Naaman. And then we see that Naaman goes to the king of Syria, asking for permission to go find this prophet who can heal him. It tells us that Naaman set out to find the prophet. Now he bringing with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Now if I calculate and got all my figures and facts straight, this is about 7,000 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold. In terms of our money, this would be worth around $5.5 million. It's an extremely excessive amount. But the point is that Naaman is going to pay off this prophet so that he can be healed of his leprosy. Now a little side story here. Have you noticed who brought this message about Elijah to the Syrian? It was a small child, a young girl. Now, I don't know the age, I'm just saying it, it says a young maiden. God can use each and every one of us. <clears throat> That's why we need to study God's word. Always be prepared for whatever is put in front of us, the opportunity to spread God's word. But we see here now that Naaman also takes a letter with him from the king of Syria, and he gives it to the king of Israel. The letter says that the king of Syria has sent Naaman so that you can cure him of his leprosy. Now when Naaman arrives at the king of Israel with his letter, it tells us here that the king tears his robes over the impossibility of what is being asked. Listen again, verse 7, what he says. He says, Am I God to kill and make alive? that this man would send, would send word to me to cure a man of his leprosy. Only consider, see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. Now in our minds from studying and being a Monday night quarterback, so to speak, of a Sunday football game, we know that this man should have had, he should have faith in God. He should have known that a lot. All he got to do is call a, Send a messenger Elijah and it's all taken care of. But he's not. He's worried about himself at this time. The king's point is that only God can do what is being asked. He knew that God was, was the one that can do it. Therefore, the king of Syria must be picking a fight with me because no one can do what he asked. Elijah hears that the king of Israel is outraged and sends a message to the king. He's asking him, why are you upset? Send him to me so that he will know that there is a true prophet in Israel. <clears throat> now, now it, uh, get this straight, Elijah not saying, send him to me, to me because he will know that I can heal him up. He's not saying that. Same thing as Jesus. When Jesus done all of his miracles here when he walked the earth, he gave all the praise to the Father. So that's what Elijah's saying there. Elijah's not saying, I can heal him of it. He's saying, send him to me that he didn't know there's a true prophet in Israel, a true man of God. Elijah seems to say that you have no reason to get upset and freak out. You know that I am here. I am a man of God. So Naaman goes to Elijah's house. Now I want you to note how Naaman goes to Elijah's house. 
He goes with his horses and his chariots. He's coming to Elijah showing how important he is with all of his horses and all of his chariots. So he comes up to Elijah's door with all of his horses and chariots. But to disimpress Elijah, Elisha sends a messenger to Naaman instead of going out himself. He sends a messenger with a simple message. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River and your flesh will be restored. You will be clean. It's just like God's word. We want forgiveness of our sin. He tells us what to do. He tells us how to do it. And he tells us what the outcome will be. We are to repent of our sins. We are to be submerged, baptized in water. And we will have forgiveness of our sins. Now this is good news. It's great news. All Naaman needs to do to be healed and cleansed is to wash in the river, Jordan River seven times. Now I'm sure no matter how old or how young we all are, we've, we've experienced some kind of health problems, some kind of pain, misery, or discomfort. And if we're told, just go, hey, go get down the Mahal River seven times, would you do it? Or would you say, how's that water going to affect me? You know, just because God told me to do it. Let's remember baptism. It don't say walk up and stick your finger in the water and stir it a couple of times. I walk by and look at it and say, oh, I bet that water's cold. It says to deal, to be submerged in it. But look at Naaman's reaction in verse 11. Naaman went away angry. He's mad. We got to stop and ask. Now, wait a minute. This man is delivered. He has just told something simple to do, and he'll be cured of it. But yet, why is he angry? Why is Naaman angry? Is this not the answer to his prayers? Don't matter. He's still angry. Look at what he says. He thought that Elijah would come out to meet him and call on the name of the Lord his God wave his hands over the leprosy, and he would be cured. But that's not what he expected. Elijah did not meet Naaman's expectations. That's a whole lesson in itself right here, just that sentence. How many times do we let our expectations rob us of our joy? I expected I, I'm glad it happened. I enjoyed it, but I expected it to go this way. I want us to consider this moment. Naaman was told that he could be healed. He would be healed. All he had to do was wash in the Jordan River seven times. He was told what to do, where to do it, and how many times. We have to ask ourselves, why was he so mad that he refused to do what the messenger said? Why is he upset about this good news? The reason why is because, you guessed it, his expectations robbed him of the joy before him. Naaman had in his mind that the way that he thought his cleansing and healing would should go. Because the, the news didn't match his expectations, he does not have joy at the news, but it didn't reach. In other words, I want it, but I want it my way. Now I want us to think about this event. Could Elijah have come out to greet Naaman? Sure he could. Could Elijah have waved his hand over the leprosy and made Naaman well? But 
the help of the Lord, of course he could have done that. So why did he not do any of these things? Why didn't he come out and meet him and wave his hands over him and do these acts and all? Why did Elijah not match Naaman's expectations? Why did this go the way that it did? One thing that we see throughout the scriptures is that God acts in such a way to defy our expectations so that we would not rely on our own wisdom but would truly depend on God. Elijah does not match Naaman's expectations. He does not take his money. He does not even go out to meet him. Now my point is simple. Will you trust the words that are told to you even when they go against your expectations. What God is doing by defying our expectations is challenging us. He's challenging us to humble ourselves before Him. You see that Naaman must humble himself if he's going to accept what Elijah has told him to do through his messenger. Now remember, Naaman is a very important man in Syria. A valid man who the Lord has been using to give victory against Israel. He has come with millions of dollars to buy this healing. This is the moment where Naaman is being challenged to humble himself and accept what he's being told to do for cleansing. <clears throat> now we can see that Naaman is wrestling, wrestling with this. He's thinking, why can't I just wash in the rivers of Damascus? They're certainly much better than all the rivers in Israel. But then his service also challenged him in regards to this as well. Verse 13, they tell him that if a great word had been told to you to do, you would have done it. But since you were told to do a simple thing, you rejected it. We're told a simple thing ourselves. We're told to repent of our sins, be baptized, and look at all the ones now that still rejected. So they're telling them that if you'd have been told to do something major, you would have went out and done it. But doing something simple, you reject it. Then they ask, what sense does it make? Just go wash yourself in the Jordan River seven times. You know, it's interesting how we are limited to the power of God because we do not see God working through some great thing. If God heals through medicine, we think it, well, that medicine is what cures it. If God transforms our lives and changes our conditions, we would neglect them to consider that God did it, but did it, we did ourselves through a series of a fortunate events. How many times have we went through something Going into it said, I don't know how I'm going to do this right here. But then when you get through it, it's like, I've done a good job at that. We did a good job at that because it was God doing it through us, working through us. Yet God is telling us that he works through the mundane. He does not have to do a big show. In fact, he does not do a big show to see if we would trust him. God does not feel compelled to meet our expectations of him. 
God goes out of his way to challenge our expectations. That's the way I, I see it in life. The Apostle Paul described that this as the foolishness of the cross. Turn with me, if you would, over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18. Tells us, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So we see it through this verse here that the Apostle Paul described that this is the foolishness of the cross. Look on down in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. We're going to see that God acts to destroy the wisdom of the wise. When he says, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of prudence. Turn with me also back over to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 29 Verse 14, Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among these people, even a marvelous and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men. So here we see in that God destroys the wisdom of the wise. So we begin by realizing we need to reject our expectations of God. God's way is not necessarily always our ways. Because God has no reason to meet our expectations. God does not do things our way. And that's simply because God's way are higher and greater than ours. We see what happened in the past. We see what's happened in the present. God sees what happened in the present, the past, plus he sees what's going to happen in the future. He sees the overall picture. This is what we should expect of God. We should expect Him to do things differently than us because He's not human. He is the Lord Almighty. Well, once Naaman got past his expectation, then he could be healed. He goes and dips in the Jordan River seven times. When he does, as the man of God told him, his flesh was restored and he was clean. Now I think it's important to ask this question. What if Naaman decided to dip himself in the waters in Syria? Would he have been healed? If Naaman decided to dip himself in a different river in Israel, would he have been healed? Could Naaman have said that he believed in Elijah's word, but then do not do what he said and really believed? If Naaman had dipped himself in the Jordan River three times, would he have been healed? Why not? It was the Jordan River he went to. He dipped because he didn't fulfill the whole commandments that God had given him through this prophet Elijah. What does it really matter if Naaman does exactly what Elijah said, it matters because it is the only way to show his faith in God's declaration. It matters because it's the only way to show that they are willing to humble yourself and do what God tells us to do. You might say that this does not matter where he did or how many times. Order is order, right? It's all just a symbol anyway. But it matters that we do 
things the way that God says because God wants us to reject our expectations, our logic, and simply follow what he tells us to do. We cannot come to the word of God and reject what he says and think that we're going to be cleansed before him. We cannot skip repentance and think that we're going to be clean before God. We cannot skip confession. Jesus with our hearts and with our lips and still be saved. We cannot skip baptism for the forgiveness of our sins and think that we're going to be healed. The water did not merely symbolize cleansing for Naaman. The water was the means for cleansing as he did as the man of God had said to do. In the same way for each and every one of us. The water was the means for cleansing as he did the, what the man of God had told him to do. But I said the same way the waters of baptism do not simply symbolize our cleansing but are the means by which we are cleansed because we are showing our submission to the word of the Lord. Baptism, some people can look at it as insulting to our logic. And the reason that dipping in the River Jordan seven times was insulting to Naaman's logic and his reason. I mean, someone can sit back and say, now, I can dip it in that water right there, cleanse me of my sins. There's no power in that water. It's power because we are obeying God's commandments. We're doing what God told us to do. But that was the means of showing faith and humility. We are showing that we reject our expectations and logic and are willing to follow exactly what the Lord has told us to do. But let us go just a little bit further with this. We cannot bring our expectations to the laws of God. In other words, we cannot come to the Lord's teaching about sexual purity, the Lord's condemnation of sexual immorality, or adultery, or divorce, or any other thing that God declares is sinful, and think that we are standing clean before God. We cannot bring our expectation on how we treat others and feel like we are doing what God tells us to do. In other words, we can't go out and mistreat other people. And do what we want to do and think that we're standing clean before God because we're not. Because God told us that we have to love our neighbors as ourselves. God told us that if we love Him, we will keep His commandments. We cannot bring our expectation on how we want to live life, defy what God has told us to do, and think that we're standing clean before God. God is challenging us, our expectations. Holding on to your expectations of what you think life should be like doing or doing what you want to do or what you think God wants you to be like because it will cause us to miss the joy of cleansing and healing in Jesus. Now in closing, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about a changed life. Back in 2 Kings, chapter 5. I'm going to read on down verses 17 through 19. And Naaman said, Shall there then not 
Then that I pray thee be given to a servant to you, mule burden of the earth for the servant which is for offer, neither burnt offerings nor sacrifice unto God, but unto the Lord. In this thing the Lord pardon thy servant, that when my master goeth into the house of Rimmon to worship there, and he leaneth on, on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Rimmon. When I bow down myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little while. We see that Naaman understood that his cleansing meant that he was now devoted to the Lord and to no other God. Same thing when we get baptized. We are devoted to our Lord. He declares that he will only offer sacrifice to the Lord and not to other gods. Even when the king of Syria compels him to enter into this house of Rimmon with him, he asks for pardon as he enters while the king worships this false god. Now Naaman understood that the cleansing was transforming moment of his life. He must, he must give himself to the Lord because he has been healed and made whole. The same thing with each and every one of us. We must give ourselves to the Lord because through our baptism, our faith in Him, our confession that Jesus is the Son of God, we have given ourselves to the Lord. We have given ourselves to the Lord because He has been healed and made whole. The Apostle Paul says the same thing in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Romans 6, 1 through 4. That you are now walking in new life once God has cleansed you through baptism. You have a new life. You are a new creation. You are now clean. You have a new direction in life. You are now moved from death to life. Honor the Lord has saved you. What he's told is we are to humble yourself before the Lord. Believe his word and to do as he tells you to do. Reject your expectations of God. Simply follow what he says. Now my question to you this morning. If you need to be baptized, become a child of God. Or maybe you've already been baptized, become a child of God, but have stepped out of His way. You need the prayers of the encouragement of the congregation. Why reject God's gracious offer for healing in your life? Now, if someone does need the prayers of the congregation, they come forward. Us as a loving brother and sister, we shouldn't sit there. Ooh, I wonder what he or she did. Ooh, I knew, I knew there was something going on in their life. What we should sit here and say is, Lord, how can I help this brother? How can I help this sister? Help me be a better person so that I can help them, not only with my words, with my prayers, but with my actions. So why reject God's gracious offer for healing in your life? If you have a need for prayers, encouragement, to be baptized or whatever, I ask you to come forward at this time when we stand and sing our song of invitation because we can do all things through Christ.